I say? Oh, this is Kyle again with uh, Korean Adoptee Stories. I'm excited because I'm here with Adam Goodman, who's basically the podcast extraordinaire for uh, for guide. I really enjoy doing these uh, kind of interviews. It allows me to get to know uh, some of the the members and other cads around the community. So I thought this would be a a good time to uh, discuss further about other issues going on. Uh, there were some people that were complaining that our videos were slightly negative, but according to Adam, he has a fairly, uh, I would say, a, more of a positive outlook, and we want to make sure to, that we're getting all kind of perspectives, not just the bad. We also want the good as well. So um, so stay tuned. Again, we have Adam Goodman. Uh, he does the podcast for Guide, and uh, uh, we'll get started. Uh, hey, Adam, thanks for uh, joining us today. Hi, thanks for having me, guys. So uh, what is your role actually in Guide? Could you explain a little bit? I know that you're the podcast, but are you like the social media lead team as well? or I'm not the social media lead. Okay. That's uh, Jennifer Work, I believe. Mm-hmm. She leads the team really well. But um, I guess uh, uh, it, yeah, I'm, I'm the main, just I'm the podcast person. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would say um, in social media, I do Twitter. Okay. Mainly, so I, I, I help with the Twitter side. Uh, so the podcast and Twitter. So you seem pretty uh, uh, knowledgeable about kind of the audio uh, technicalities, and you looks like you even have your own uh, your own condenser mic. Do you like do music or something? Or um, I bought this when we were going to do the podcast. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, with um, Plan A Magazine, so not 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 just guide, but I bought it a few years ago, and um, it served me well. So I believe this is like your sixth uh, podcast coming up, if I was, if I'm correct. Yeah, it's podcast number six for guys. How are you guys doing with the the podcast? Are you able to come up with material every week, or? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, there's there's never there's never um, you know a shortage of things to talk about and, and guests and you know Derek, Jody, and Moses have done a good job, sort of just in their own mm-hmm. uh, part of the podcast, coming up with people to talk to and topics and. Uh, it's gone really well. I think it's been, you know, and, and the momentum's building, and we'll just keep, keep going. I kind of like doing these Korean adoptee stories because I don't know you personally, but I kind of like to get to know you on kind of the camera because it just makes it more fun. Of course, yeah. So I like to not uh, delve too deep until we actually get to it, so I'm kind of excited. So uh, you said you had a pretty positive Korean adoptee experience, uh, so... Have you uh, end up finding your parents, or do you know? Uh, could you explain a little bit about your, I guess, your story? Yeah, um, yeah, I'm no problem doing that. Um, yeah, so as you said, uh, Kyle, that um, you know, I, I would say that of sort of the adoptee scenarios and stories and circumstances, uh, mine would be uh, one of would be sort of described as as an ideal one or as good as it can get. Um, I was. Uh, even though I was an, uh, an older adoptee, I was adopted when I was three and a half years old. Um, I was adopted with my younger brother as well. So like my adoptive parents adopted both of us at the same time. And, um, you know, we, we grew up, uh, in a you know, upper middle class family, nice neighborhoods, uh, good schools, um, you know, two, fa- two parent households, uh, you know, a, with my brother, so like you know, I wasn't in a scenario where I was an only child or um, uh, the only uh, like adopted child with some other, with some biological children. So, it, and you know, so from 
from the face of it, it seems you know, it's as positive as it could be, right? It's as, as perfect a scenario <laughs> as you could sort of draw up on paper. But, you know, I've struggled with a lot of the same sort of, um, you know, questions of identity and acceptance and survival and, uh, you know, abandonment and issues and things like that that any other, I think, mm-hmm. adoptee sort of struggles with. Yeah, I think that was kind of the the picture with some I, I, the people that were kind of complaining were actually the white parents. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> deep down, I think even no matter how good you have it, there's still everyone that kind of struggles. Maybe has some negative thing that they have to work out, but it's more about the fact that they're learning to or have maybe overcame it, and that's kind of what uh, the focus I feel like uh, has been for our videos. And your guys' uh, material as well from with the podcast, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, we want to acknowledge that there are struggles, and a lot of those struggles are what bind us together uh, as adoptees, right? We can sort of recognize part of those things in, in each of our, ourselves. But that um, with these adoptee stories and with the podcast for Guide and just as I think the Guide mission as a whole, we can get through them and we can work through them and we can support each other and or, you know, and, 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 and end up thriving and doing really well. Um, you know, so that even no matter how negative are, I, I take from it that, you know, we're, we're, we're doing, we're doing really well, you know, on the other side of that, you know, we, we, we survived and we're, you know, continuing to do well. So I remember you had a, you had a podcast. Uh, uh, I think the last one I was listening to was, how long you actually have been uh, involved in the Korean adopted community? How long have you been involved around the the CADs? Um, I would well, okay. So I'll say that like I really entered it in like around 2007. Okay, because that that's when I went to the, um, the big gathering that we have in Seoul, uh, the ICA, one of the ICA gatherings in Seoul. So I, I've been, yeah, you know, I've been involved since 2007. Uh, where, where do you actually live, actually? Uh, I live in New Jersey right New now. New Jersey, okay. I live in Fort Lee, New Jersey, yeah. And where did you grow up? I grew up in uh, Westchester, New York. Uh, was it generally predominantly a uh, white there then as well, or, or did you have a lot of... Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, it's like, uh, I don't know, it's like 80, 90% white, something like that. So you kind of had a, a deal with kind of uh, being kind of the only Korean adoptee as well as some CADs, I feel like, experienced on. Yeah, yeah, I mean... It was a little different because I did have my brother with me, mm-hmm. right? So I wasn't the only sort of cat, but we were the only two cats, right? It was like it wasn't like a ton of other cats with us. Um, but we were about like you know we were two of like the five Asian people in our whole school, right? Um, so and and maybe like one or two other like black people and you know maybe not even a lot of Hispanic students, uh, so. Yeah, it was very, very white, even though it's like New York. Were you guys pretty well adjusted uh, socially, uh, got along with a lot of your classmates, or were you quiet, or uh, maybe you could explain a little yeah, bit? Yeah, I'd say I was, I was adjusted. We had friends. We were we were part of the community. Okay. Um, we were, I would say we were fairly well adjusted. I mean, I was uh, I was an athlete. I was in, um, I was in the, the theater. Uh, you know, I was, a, I was a good student. Um so, yeah, like I, I was, you know, like a lot of us were all American. Mm-hmm. I 
like we do everything just like everyone else. So, so I was wondering, uh, uh, were did you ever experience bullying or racism? Because there's qu- quite a few uh, cads that I feel like actually, unfortunately, did. Uh, my brother and I kind of did a little bit, and a lot of the other stories I've been talking to kind of experienced that. So I was wondering if you uh, experienced that at, at all. Um, I remember I, I, I remember it when I was younger, um, but uh, I was fortunate to, to not have to deal with it uh, in my immediate, like the very like obvious racism. I didn't, I don't remember having to deal with it. Um, Ironically, the only time I really got any of that was uh, when I was playing sports. There really? was a tournament we had, a uh, soccer tournament. I was like 13 or 14, uh, in, and we played a, a team from like uh, from the city, from New York City, and I got it then. And it was like the most diverse team that we had played, and I got it from those kids, but I had never really gotten it from you know the white kids I was playing. So it sounds like whatever area you grew up in, Mighty was actually pretty, uh, actually probably decent human beings. It sounds like, fairly, yeah, fairly. I mean, I, I did have some of it. You know, there was there were some kids who would try to pick on me mm-hmm. for whatever reason. I was able to deal with it, and maybe just because I was, you know, I was in a certain social circle. Mm-hmm. Maybe um, I, I wasn't targeted. What kind of sports did you uh, uh play aside from soccer? Did you play other sports? Uh, I wasn't. Uh, I mean, I, I like uh, you know. I think in suburban New York, um, you play everything up to a certain point. Mm-hmm. But then soccer was my okay. my main sport. So I played baseball, basketball. Were soccer pretty, was my main. Were you pretty good? <laughs> I'm in like my mid. I'm in like my late thirties, mm-hmm. so I, I don't want to sound like one of those guys that's like back in high school. <laughs> but you know what I yeah. mean. Because but I was I was a pretty good player. Uh, but I you know I wasn't like world class but i was i was good enough to be in travel mm-hmm. leagues and so it wasn't just like a casual thing like i played probably you know nine months out of the year for a while how old are you actually i, I guess you don't have to disclose like the specifics you said you're <laughs> in your late 30s uh, i'll be i'll be um i'll be uh 30 uh, 39 okay. okay for some reason i thought you were born in 1990 i guess my whatever i researched was wrong yeah you look young oh thanks <laughs> how old is your brother then? Uh, how much younger is he you, from you? He's like three years younger. Okay. He's 35. Would you say he was well-adjusted as well, too? Yeah. I mean, uh, we, we're like best friends. And, you know, we it, it did help a lot, I think, uh, having him with me. Uh, you know, and... And I don't want to. I don't want to sound like you know my family life was like perfect. Mm-hmm. We had our problems. Nope. We had our problems like anyone else. Do you generally have a good uh, relationship with your uh, adoptive family? Then you'd say your parents. Yeah, I do. Um, you know, my dad passed away, uh, you know, a few years ago, and, and my mom's still around. But uh, yeah, we had a good relationship. Um, it was tough for a while, but uh, it, it, it recovered and got better. Uh, did your uh, family move with you to New Jersey, or did they stay uh, in New York where you guys? No, my mom, no, my mom is not going to move to Jersey. Oh, okay, she's still in Westchester. That's, that's where right. she is. Okay, that's where she's going to live. You know, <laughs> until the day she dies, I think. Do you visit her often, like during the holidays, then? Or yeah, we. You know, I mean, I'm the son who's close, and my my brother moved. You know, he he's not close, but we we try to spend as much time uh, together as we can. 
uh, at least one of the big two holidays, so at least Thanksgiving or Christmas. Um, usually not both, but uh, yeah, we you know we try, and, but it's been hard with the whole COVID. Yeah, thing. I mean, I think that's the toughest thing is not being able to see my family. You ever thought about having your brother part of your podcast at all, since he does have a cat perspective, or he? You know, it's funny, like. Um, you know, he actually started his own podcast. Recently. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> so you guys are competing or something. Yeah, it's kind of funny, but no, it, he's great. Okay. It, it's totally has nothing to do with like, uh, you know, being adopted or anything like that. Like he, he's tackling, um, you know, some more, you know, broad, uh, you know, political, social okay. uh, issues. But um, yeah, you know, we, we've talked about it uh, and uh, I'm sure it'll happen at some point. So, cool. So, I guess I wanted to delve in more about your uh, adoption story. Uh, do you know your Korean name, and do you know where you're from? Yeah. So, um, my Korean name is uh, Lee Sung Il, uh, and um, just uh, last year, mm-hmm. um, my wife and I went back to Korea. My wife is Korean American. Okay. Okay. And. Um, we went back to Korea on vacation and uh, with the express purpose of going to where um, I was adopted from, where I was born. And um, so we went down there and um, it's, we went to the Nam-Name, okay. which okay. is uh, like a small island off the coast of Southern Korea, okay. uh, off the Southern coast. And uh, it's near Busan. It's like, uh, I think it's like an hour or two hour bus ride from Busan. And, um, so we went there and we went to like, we went to the, um, government office and dealing with the Korean government mm-hmm. is much, much easier than dealing with the American Seriously? Really? I never knew that. Uh, much easier. I mean, it was obviously made easier because my, my wife is pretty much fluent in Korean. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. I was able to communicate with them. But even I, I feel like even if I had gone and sort of had a letter or they all, you know, everyone there sort of spoke some English. So I think I would have been able to fumble through. Uh, and um, they were so eager to help. Um, and maybe it was just because I was an adoptee. And I think Koreans uh, of all ages sort of are aware mm-hmm. that this has happened and like adoptees exist, right? And um, so they were very eager to help and they helped us out. And I got documentation of like my birth and like everything. And it was... Um, it was a, a very, I don't, I don't want to say good experience, but it was um, it was an important one. It was a meaningful experience. So with the documents, were they actually accurate then or, or uh, presumably? Yeah, yeah. They, they went on the computer and they just typed, the, typed it up and they searched and um, they were like official. We got, you know, we paid two bucks and we got like an official printed out document with um, like my birth mom and my birth dad's name. And my name and, uh, you know, sort of like, I'm like, you know, I officially existed, you know, in Korea. Have you met your birth folks son or? I have not, okay. no. Is there a reason? It's just something I haven't done. Oh, okay. I haven't uh, seriously searched. Uh, we, I, I, when I was in high school, uh, there were some le- letters, mm-hmm. uh, letters uh, that I wrote back and forth with my birth mother. Oh, really? Okay. Since then, um, there's been no communication. And I feel guilty about that. I feel uh, I feel like I should have done more. I should do more. 
So you actually uh, were talking back and forth with your your mom then, right? You're saying? Yeah, and oh, I still have the letters. Yeah, yeah. But and I, and I have a half brother and half sister. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, but they don't know. You know, it's 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 very bittersweet because I don't think they know I exist. Is that because of the mom? Mother didn't. Oh, oh mom didn't want. Yeah, to my mom didn't. So there might be some uh, family dynamics that actually, if you maybe pursue it, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe yeah, exactly. the mom might be a little hesitant with the, because she hasn't told her own uh, other siblings, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's something that factors into like, do I want to, do I want to ask, do I want to search, do I want to do something that could hurt her in some way? Um, but I do want to know. I do want to know her. Uh, I want to know my half siblings. Uh, it's complicated, you know. Being slightly older, do you feel like you're still missing a a piece of yourself? Uh, do you want to actually? I mean, before she does get older, do you actually think you would ever push yourself just to uh, try to uh, uh, like maybe meet her in person, or you're kind of uh, hesitant about it? Um, no, you know, her age and, and the fact that, you know, you never know what could happen, Mm -hmm. uh, does weigh on my mind. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's something I think that would push me to do it. Um, part of me wants to do it with my brother, right? But I think at some point, um, I would do it. I'm going to do it regardless Mm -hmm. because I just don't want to, um, like, I, I, I was lucky enough um, to be able to be there with my, my father when he, my adoptive father when he when he passed away and I was able to you know tell him everything I wanted to tell him but um, so I, I wouldn't want to regret not, at least I wouldn't want to regret not searching mm-hmm. right like that, that's sort of like the least I could do uh, you know I'm not gonna put pressure on myself to be like you know find her and sort of do that but I can at least try. This seems like a dumb question, but you already like talked back to her. She's not in the same location. Whoever you uh, got your letters translated, or mm-hmm. do you have like the address that she's living at now from where she sent the letters, or how was that process? Was that from the? Uh, no, no, oh, none oh. of that. I don't know where she's. At. So like it was, it was through this, it was through the um, adoption agency. So I don't, they, okay. they don't really, they don't divulge. Information what like. adoption agency were, were you uh, from? Was it the uh, ESW? Yeah. Or, no, it was through Spence Chapin. Uh, Spence Chapin. Oh, okay. Actually, I never heard of that one. Yeah, they're much smaller. So one question I have is, I guess I'm just a little bit curious. My name's Travis. I don't know if Kyle told you about me. We're actually but, twins. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, how are you doing? So the question I have is, is there a reason why your mom and dad put you up for adoption? Or are you not able to disclose that? Um, I, I, you know, I don't think any of us really knows for sure. I, 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 you know, the story I was told or sort of like the, yeah, sort of the story I was told is that they weren't married at the time. So, you know, they had me and then they sort of raised me for a bit and then they had my brother and they raised him for a bit. And then I guess, uh, the story I was told was that my dad, my birth dad, uh, he lost his job. So it was sort of like, and then because they weren't married or something like that, um, you know, they didn't want to have to deal with it. 
and didn't get help from families, I guess, because of the shame of, of, of that. Um, so they, they put us in foster, they put us in an orphanage in foster care. You're, you were so young. Do you remember any images of the, of that age or? I do. Oh, really? Okay. I dream about it sometimes. I, I have some, I think, like images and sort of smells and. One interesting thing when I was listening to your podcast, uh, Jody was saying that she hid food, which I thought was strange. I, n- I never heard that before. So did you do that too? or I hadn't either. I hadn't either. Oh, but, um, that was the first time I heard that, so it's kind of interesting. I, I, I hadn't heard of anyone else doing it. Okay. I don't think I did that. Okay. But I can imagine if, like, if you were an older adoptee and, uh, you know, maybe like a child, mm-hmm. you know, a young child, and, and, and you were poor, that you would do that. I mean, I think it's something that people do. I just haven't heard it uh, from another adoptee. But, um, yeah, it was, that affected me. I was like, I had to think about sort of why anyone would, do, why why would a child be driven to do that? And, um, you know, it's, it's tough thinking. It's tough thinking about those things. So do you actually remember what your mom looks like uh, based off some of those dreams or... Is it kind of a blur? Well, I, I have a picture of her, but that you know that was from when I was in high school. Okay. So that was many. That was like twenty plus years ago. But I don't remember sort of what she looked like when she was younger. I do have a picture of her. So another question I have is related to that. Like you said that uh, you mentioned that you got involved in your Korean adoptee search in 2007, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Were you involved in any Korean activities like camps or language before that, like in elementary or middle school? Or were you the adoptee that was more like, I'm geared towards nothing related to my culture? Um, I think when I was like a you know, young child, you know, maybe seven, eight years old, um, my parents took us to one of those like Korean culture camps. But I think it was only once or twice, and then we never really did it again. And then, um, you know, that <clears throat> where, where I grew up in Westchester, there were a lot of Chinese immigrants, so they had like Chinese language schools, but there weren't enough Korean immigrants. And then I, I didn't really do any. I, I didn't explore or really think about Korean culture until college. What kind of made you actually? Hey, I'm I'm Korean adoptee. What kind of made you want to? I guess look into your uh, heritage and culture. Was there a like a click or? Uh, as I as I got older, it just was something I couldn't ignore. You know, as I got to like you know, kind of I was applying to college and things like that. Like you're you're sort of asked to think about who you are because applying to college in in America is like selling yourself as like and your potential and okay. your identity <clears throat> to other you know, to, to prospective colleges and. I got to start thinking about that, and then I had to realize that, look, I'm not white. No matter how much I felt white, uh, and maybe my mental image of myself was like this white guy, when I look in the mirror, I'm not a white guy, right? And I always knew I was adopted. It wasn't like something I was hitting them and just learned. <clears throat> so that sort of got me thinking about it. And then uh, when I got to college, the first people, because when, when you you put down all this information. I put down that, that I was Asian. Okay. That I was Korean. Yep. And because uh, I think for some weird reason it's on the it's on the housing form. 
anyway, so that that goes to the college, and then the first people who greeted me uh, when I got to campus, the first people to knock on my dorm room door were the uh, was like the Korean American Society and like really? big, big brother, big sister. Okay. So there was like a big Asian American community there. They were the first people to be like, welcome to campus. Like, you know, here's, I'm your big brother. I'm your big sister. And like, we're going to invite you to parties and events and like include you in college. That kind of must have been like kind of a, maybe it felt good kind of being welcomed by where you're from. Yeah, it was, um, I wasn't expecting it. It was like completely surprised. It was a complete surprise. Uh, and it, and I, I don't think I ended up like becoming really good friends with that community. Okay, okay. Um, but like, I, I always felt welcomed, uh, and, and at different points I sort of stepped in and out, but yeah, it was, it was, it was, um, it was very positive. I was like, oh man, like I am Asian, right? Like they didn't, they didn't like look at my name and be like, oh, this guy can't be Asian. They were just like, oh, he, he said he was Korean. We're going to check him out. And lo and behold, I answered the door. I looked Asian. <laughs> they didn't have to be like, oh, it was just some Jewish guy that was playing around, you know? And, uh. Yeah, so it was it was very positive. So a little bit about your agency. You said or finding your uh, mother during that time, like probably 2007. You said you actually had to go to Korea to actually find information, or did you guys uh, get enough information like online, like with like how my brother actually did with Children's Home Society? We just mainly emailed them. Actually, we didn't have to visit the the place yet. Um, <clears throat> my mom had some original documents, so she had like some of the adoption documents and stuff like that. And that had some of the information like where, where they thought, I, where they said I was born. Okay. Right. So then from that, I was, my wife and I were able to be like, Oh yeah, well, well we're just going to go there when we go to Korea. So that's where that sort of started. So your adopted family, did they pretty much tell you that you're adopted? Did they have that kind of little story uh, with us? We kind of had that like storybook when we were younger, they, they actually were pretty open actually really open about yeah. being adopted yeah it was never hidden okay that's great you know, that's we were we were adopted but you know they loved uh all the things we all get told mm-hmm. um i don't remember if you had like a book you know like i think some adoptees like they'll have like a, a book yep. or whatever like our story or whatever i don't know if we ever had anything like that um we certainly had like family picture albums and there are a lot of books like people have where like they build their family story and things like that, but I don't think it, it, it probably had parts of it mm-hmm. that were about like adoption or like how we came not from mommy's belly, but from, you know, whatever. But, uh, yeah, it was never hidden. Okay. We always knew it wasn't like, you can't really hide it when, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when your parents are yeah, white exactly. and you're Asian, you know what I mean? So did you have any, uh, adoptive biological, uh, siblings at all? Or did they just have, uh, you and your brother, your, your adoptive family? Just me and my brother. We were, no, no, my, my parents couldn't uh, have children. So, okay. Um, yeah, we were it. So this is a little off topic. You said that your wife is Korean-American. Is that correct? Yeah. She speaks Korean. Do you ever practice Korean with her or you're not really interested? <laughs> she tries to get me to, to learn and she tries to teach me words. Um, but I, I don't know. I get embarrassed because I'll try to pronounce them and then. You know, and, and this is me protecting my own ego. So this is not on her at all. Um, she tries to get me to do it, but then you know I get embarrassed and sort of you know, annoyed at myself. So she tries to teach me. Do you actually know a bit of Korean then? A little okay. bit. Like I'm like not even like a child. 
I'm so I'm like baby though. <laughs> How'd you meet, How'd you meet your, your wife? wife? <clears throat> we met online. Was it a dating site or? Yeah, we met on uh, Coffee Meets Bagel. Never heard of that one. It's in, yeah, it's I think it's like mainly in New York and like L.A. Oh, I see. But it was started by um, three Korean sisters. Oh. Mainly Asian American, actually. Oh, I see. But, but not like, not on purpose, I don't think. But like, it's very much like. So do you have kids at all then, or? No, oh, no oh, kids, okay. not yet. Um, you know, we're hoping, um, but no kids, not yet. How long have you been married? Uh, it was our second wedding anniversary Tuesday. Oh, that's cool! Congratulations. So. I, I guess, do you, why did you decide to move to New Jersey? Is it different from New York or culturally? Is it more prevalently diverse or where you, where you Yeah, going? so um, it was partly because, um, you know, I got a new job. So like we, I had, um, I had started working at a company that was based in New Jersey and I was still living up in the Inwood area. So I was driving a long way, like an hour or more. Holy cow. You know, back. So it was like two hours of commute. And, um, you know, but, and my wife still works in the city, in Manhattan. So we had to find a place like so that was kind of halfway, right? So Jersey seemed like a good place because we also didn't want to continue renting in New York. Like it's just really expensive and, and where we would have had to go was expensive. Um, so we were looking for places in New Jersey to go. And um, Fort Lee is a very, it's like 25% Korean and like maybe 10 or 15% Japanese uh, and like Greek and Italian is like the other part of it, I think. Um, and so it's, but the downtown area, it's like a little Koreatown, I swear. Like you wouldn't, you would think, you would think Fort Lee was a town of like 95% Koreans uh, from, from, from downtown. So uh yeah, so and, and that was a that was a big <clears throat> factor that it was going to be sort of a, a diverse enclave and get get all the food we want and the restaurants were good, you know, Korean food was good, and it was it was a good place for us in terms of my community. So, do you have a favorite Korean dish? Do you like K-pop, like Korean dramas? That's <laughs> the typical people thing ask when you're Korean. I I. I love Korean food. I would say samgyeopsal is my favorite. What's that? What's that? Pork belly. Oh, pork, oh, pork belly. Pork oh. belly. Oh, I, I don't think I've ever had that. Oh, no? Oh, neither of us had. It's basically big, thick bacon. Oh, really? Oh. I don't think I, don't think really I would like that. <laughs> no? I'm not, I'm, not really really bacon. A, I'm not really of a fat eater unless it's, like, crisp to the core. Oh, dude. I'm, you'll, you'll have to try it. Really? I mean, you can get some more thinly cut, but it's, like... It's it's just really good. So it's not it's not similar to to bulgogi then, huh? Uh, bulgogi is fine. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't love like um, with my meats. I like them to be more savory than sweet. Okay. And bulgogi is like a sweet sweet marinade or sweeter marinade. I, I like um, the, um <clears throat> the kalbi is better, which that's a better like more um, less sweet marinade. Is kalbi squid or am I different? Octopus. Octopus. No, kalbi is the uh, beef short rib. Oh, Bugolki okay. is like the, um, it's like the, uh, it's, but it's more um, like a stir fry, not stir fry, but like it's a, it's a thinner cut. Okay. okay. So, yeah, um, 
and I love Kim. I love Korean food. That's the thing. So <clears throat> my wife is a good cook, and like she just cooks Korean food, and I'm happy with that. <laughs> what What did you actually end up majoring in in school? Um. So what did I? Uh, I entered college as a, a biochemistry major. Okay. But I I ended up. You know, <laughs> I talk about my college odyssey, but um, I I end up transferring from where I went to where I entered school, and then I I finished school with. Uh, computer information science okay. degree and a, a major and a business minor. So are you doing a, a, a something with computers now as a job? Yeah, I, um, I'm, I'm a business analyst, Okay. okay. so I, I'm not like a programmer. I don't, I don't like code mm-hmm. for everything, but um, I work with technology. So I, I, it's it's sort of like a hybrid um, project manager and like, and, and like analyst. Did you do pretty well in school? Uh. I did better in high school than I did college. Okay. <laughs> like the first half of my college career was rocky. A lot of drink, drinking and partying, or no? Uh, a lot of drinking, a lot of partying, <laughs> but also like I was, I was very depressed in college. So I went through a period of severe depression. Do you think that related to your your adoption at all, or was that probably, uh, I don't know, for relationship or? I would say that um, I've. I mean, and, and now, um, but I've always lived with like, uh, I've always lived with depression. Okay. And I've managed it sometimes better, sometimes worse. And I think part of that comes from the adoptee issues, right? Uh, and, and stems from the adoption. I, I don't, you know, I wouldn't say that um, <clears throat> my acute episode in college was specifically about my adoption. Okay. Um, but the fact that you know, that all those issues were always sort of underlying my anxieties. So it, you know, it certainly didn't help. You mentioned something like that. I'm actually, I have a mental illness too, but I'm actually, I've been bipolar for, since 2008, so maybe 12 years now. Did you struggle with depression where it caused like suicidal ideations or you have to take meds or therapy or any of that stuff that's provided for you? Yeah. Um, I never got to the point where I think I had, I never really got to the point of suicidal ideation, okay. but I certainly was bad enough that I was on medication for, yeah, I don't know, probably 10 years or so, but I've been, you know, I haven't taken medication in a long time, probably for about that long. Was there a reason why you stopped? Because you felt better in general or? I Yeah, I you know, if there was, I felt better, and then I think there was a general push from my family to be like, you shouldn't be on these for your whole life. Um, which I guess, in a way, is not a good thing. Like, but I ended up, you know, I was able to deal with not being on on, on medication. Were you un- were you uncomfortable speaking to your family about your depression, like your adoptive family? Did you keep it to yourself, or were of course, you open? open, of course, yeah. It was not something I really wanted to admit. No one wants to admit that, but I think my my, my family was pretty good with sort of um, at least my, my mom. I think more than my dad, uh, it, it, you know, accepting that this was something that I had to sort of do. So you know, and you mentioned Travis, you mentioned um, therapy. So I've been in, I had been in therapy before as well. Was was the access for was the access to that pretty like was it there? Were you able to get as much access as you could to mental health services? I was. Okay, that's good. Yeah, I mean, um, when I was when I was with my parents and it was like sort of on their insurance, it was very easy. 
in college it's harder, not because it's not available, because but because you're sort of responsible to do it on your own. Right? Like when you're at home living with your parents, they'll get you up, drive you, or at least my parents, you know, they sort of like get you there. <clears throat> in college, even though I probably should have done it a lot more than I did, um, because I was, you know, you're you're living and you're on your own and you're sort of an adult <laughs> or being asked to be an adult. I just didn't do it, right? Like I was so badly in my depression that I, they were they were months and months where I would barely leave my dorm room. Like I wouldn't go out, and the only way, like the only place I'd come out to do would go to my fraternity house and drink and party. So like I wouldn't be going to class. I'd be just on the computer or watching movies or just sleeping. I'd sleep for days on end. Um, you know, just really bad. You know, like really badly depressed. Did you ever get help, or did someone notice it and they asked? Yeah, what you, kind of what kind of changed uh, your uh, perspective on yourself? Saying, "Hey, maybe I got a problem." Uh, what kind of clicked? I guess. Uh, you know, I I I think you know my girlfriend at the time, and I think my parents, and then I, it was just sort of like. It had come to a point where I was just like, all right, I got done with the semester and um, I, I went home and my parents were like, you're just not going to go back and we're going to try to, you know, see if you can, you know, just get better. And I think eventually, though, you know, I, I eventually I, I, I went I, I went back too soon and then I had to come back and then, you know, it was a big it was a big ordeal. But um it was it was a combination of just like my parents at some point just being like you know we're just gonna pull you out. So I'm guessing you're a really big believer in guides of mental health. Uh... I am. Okay. <laughs> I, I yeah, you could say that. I, I just um, I was I was lucky enough that I mean I don't know if it's luck or not, but you know I've never I never really I I didn't attempt suicide. I didn't, you know I didn't think about it, but. I was in a bad way, and um, I just think that mental health in general is very important for people to take seriously. And uh, you know, for our, you know, fellow adoptees who, you know, make that ultimate fatal choice, uh, I want to I want to avoid that as much as possible. Would you? I know when I first came out, I didn't want to believe I had an illness. Uh, did you feel the same way, or you didn't want to believe it, or were you willing to try to get help right away, and or had that a had fight, that stage of disbelief? Yeah, I fought it. You know, you don't want to think that like you're. Yeah, you know, I didn't want to think that there was something wrong with me. Um, you know, I and and, and for and I, I don't. It's probably not just me, but for me, I didn't want to be a burden. I didn't want to be like someone that you know that was hurting my friends and family. You know, yeah. So it was tough for me to to realize it, but it was just you couldn't ignore it. Like it was just it was happening. You know, you couldn't hide it. It was obvious. One thing I guess I kind of wanted to delve a little bit deeper in the psyche of, of things. Do you think you're adoption affected your relationships with with other people or were you pretty adjusted did you have like any abandonment issues that you had to deal with that i feel like a lot of adoptees did or trust issues or generally you're pretty oh, okay yeah yeah um what did you do to kind of uh go through it well um i think 
my most of my abandonment issues uh, and uh, manifested or uh, affected my relationships, like okay. dating. Yep. So it wasn't really friendships, I don't think. Though it does affect my some of my friendships, I feel. Um, but it was mainly around uh, like romantic partners and things like that. Uh, and um, I would, I think, for me, it manifested as like just. Uh, being, you know, sort of like that doormat, right? Like letting people walk all over me because I was afraid that if I like, stood up for myself, they would, they would abandon me, right? They'd be like, oh, you're too difficult now to deal with. You're just gonna, you know, I'm gonna go away. And, um, for my, my, my marriage now, you know, I was married before. Uh, and there were a lot of, there was a lot, there was abuse in that relationship, uh, you know, against me. This is the first time, uh, Speaking to a Korean adoptee that uh, that's male that actually was abused by a a female. You're you're, you're saying, yeah, okay. yeah, I was physically abused. That's yeah. horrible. I'm sorry to hear that you gone through that, but I'm just curious. Was were you with your relationship on a similar note? Was was marrying a Korean person ideal for you, or it just sort of happened and? things clicked or um, I, I always I always just felt a comfort with Asian people mm -hmm. Asian women in particular so you never dated outside your race I did okay um, but I, I did heavily I think I did heavily prefer um, you know other you know, other Asian people to date um, it just always felt more comfortable to me um, obviously I, you know it, I didn't screen anyone out on purpose but I always just knew that that I would I would end up with, with another Asian person. So speaking from a male perspective, I'm not going to give out the name. He kind of has a belief that uh, I know I might get flack about this too because uh, do you feel like it's difficult being Asian male uh, dating? I guess dating or, or fighting or finding a girlfriend or, or finding a relationship. Uh, have you had any experience with that, or were you pretty successful in in how you dealt with a woman? Yeah, I I, I think there are um, just realities of sort of how race interplays in America, right? Mm -hmm. and, and sort of the white supremacist systems that we live in in society. Um, and there was a period in my life where you know that really affected my psyche, right? like how I sort of. Uh, you know, tried went about dating and, and how that affected me and sort of like a big chip on my shoulder about it. Uh, and so, you know, and, and I'll admit I wasn't I didn't always treat women the you know as nicely as I and as with as much respect as I should have. Um, but it's it's something that I feel like um, as individual Korean men who, who are you know dating around you know dating age. That we can't, we have to work very hard to not affect it, us in that way. Like we're not going to be able to, as individuals, change racism in America, right? Uh, and so we need to, you know. And 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 the way I see it is that if someone is going to reject you uh, or dismiss you offhand because of your race, then that's not someone you want to be dating yeah, anyway. Exactly. And that's. Just use it as a filter. And rejection is hard. I'm not saying rejection is easy. And especially for adoptees with our abandonment issues and 
and, and being people pleasers and all that, it, it certainly hits differently. But rejection to me is a filter for someone. If they're going to reject you, then just just forget them. And, it, and it's hard to do. I'm not, it's, this is not easy. I'm not saying this because it's easy. I'm just saying that this is how you protect yourself from this resentment of like, I found that woman attractive. I went to talk to her. She dismissed me or rejected me. And this is something that all men can sort of, you know, advice that all men can take. She rejected you. She doesn't want to talk to you. That's 100% within her right. Just walk away. It doesn't, don't, you know, it doesn't matter why. Just, it's done. And it's hard to like accept that because it can hurt. But especially if there's a, if you feel there's a racial component to it, but standing and arguing or remembering and stewing in it is not going to change the racism that that person might have, right? Or, or change racism in America. So all you can do is just keep trying. And as long as you just keep trying, it's going to work out. You're going to find somebody and they're going to want you and you're going to want them. And that's, that's the kind of relationship that you want. You want that hard yes. You don't want to have to try to negotiate the maybes. So speaking about racism, what has been your viewpoint of the Black Lives Matter and the police killing? Do you believe the police are targeting uh, black people? Or, yes, or I do. Okay. I, I think it's um, it's unmistakable. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think you can really argue that there's a racially there's a racial system in America that targets black, brown, and yellow bodies for violence. Uh, I, you know, I was talking to my wife, and like there are there are studies that show that. Um, that, 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 have, that there are studies that have looked at traffic stops mm-hmm. and, uh, for the same cops or the same sort of police force in the same area at, during the day and at night and analyzing sort of like the, the racial patterns, right? The race of the people. And when, at nighttime, the racism seems to go away. They can't tell who's in the car, so they stop everyone basically in the way that you would expect based on demographics and just the fact that, you know, black people, Asian people, Hispanic people, white people, they don't break, they don't speed any more or less based on race, right? So, like, that to me, just a study that basically says, you turn the lights off and the racism sort of goes away, you turn the lights on and suddenly there's racism, that sort of tells me that there's racism at least when it comes to enforcement of laws, right? I mean, it's sort of cut and dry. Uh, and, and, and for me, with the, with the Black Lives Matter stuff, mm-hmm. the, um, the protests that have been happening around racial justice and sort of just criminal justice, um, it's obviously uh, there's, there's racial discrimination when it comes to policing. But it, it's, it's highlighting that there's just a problem with policing in general. America. There's a problem with justice and how we perceive what justice is in America. Uh, and you know, people like these bad actors or these bad faith actors on on the right uh, will trot out these stories of, uh, well, this white dude was killed by the police in a similar manner as like George Floyd. They're like, well, no one cared about him. I'm like, well, maybe someone should have cared about him. Right. Like that example doesn't sort of pr- disprove any point. It makes my point for me. It's that no one seems to care. Like people, white people should care that the police go after white people, too. Like that. You know what I mean? 
So yeah, so like I'm I'm very much hoping that this is not just like a, you know this, this continues and there's actually real change in our justice system. Uh, How about uh, uh, it sounds like you're pretty uh, 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 liberal. So do you actually are you pretty uh, supportive of LGBTQ type people then as well? Of course, okay. yeah. I mean, people should be allowed to live the way they want to live. Um, you know, for me, I, I wouldn't say I'm liberal. I think I'm, I'm much more progressive than that. Okay. Um, you know, for me, a liberal is more of a, of a, you know, liberal sounds like, you know, Democratic Party stuff, and I'm very frustrated with them. But, um, yeah, with LGBTQ, like, yeah, people shouldn't be persecuted for just who they are. Uh, you know, and I think that fits very neatly with all the racial um, environment and the talk that we have about that. Um, and, you know, when everyone was talking about, you know, when, I mean, we've had decades of fights about, uh, you know, gay marriage and all that stuff. And I've actually learned a lot more about that just because I've, I've read more queer writers and everything. But just talking about gay marriage and should gay people be able to marry, I'm like, why not? There's no reason not to. Who does that hurt? It doesn't hurt anyone. Um, just let them get married. So what? Um, and I never quite understood the backlash against that. Uh, I was, you know, maybe from the religious angle, you know, some people had some religious beliefs about it. So I can sort of understand if that was what you're coming from. But there are people who just didn't support it. <laughs> I'm like, why? Who cares? Um, but yeah, so I, I'm am in support of I'm supportive of those communities as well. They deserve justice. So, what religious background are you? Or uh, do you have a religious background at all, or or no? Did your family grow up? Um, I was not raised raised very religious. Okay. Um, you know, my dad was Jewish. Uh, my mom, I think, was raised Catholic. So, did you did you celebrate Hanukkah or did you celebrate Christmas? Both. Oh, I guess, I guess you get more presents. No, I only too. got presents for Christmas. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> I know that would have been great. Yeah. <laughs> and my birthday is like close to Christmas, so like, you know, I get screwed so, so out. So did your so did your parents let you choose what religion you wanted to practice, or did they? Yeah, yeah, they were like, choose whatever one or none of them. And I think my brother and I both were basically like none. Like oh, we're okay. just not we're we're not religious. So you would say you're atheist? Agnostic. Uh, I would maybe. say I'm an atheist. Okay, yeah. Okay. So you don't believe in, in for a long time. I was a, I was like agnostic, but then I was like, Adam, get off the fence, <laughs> choose a side. So yeah, I would say I'm an atheist. What's the difference between agnostic and atheism? Is it God, they believe in a god? An agnostic is just someone who doesn't know. Okay. I oh, guess no. or like doesn't hasn't made a decision. They're like sort of the wishy washy ones. I just, you know, I, I'm willing to say that I just don't believe that there is a God. A lot of Korean people I noticed are actually really Christian and Catholic. Was your, is your wife uh, Christian at all? or? Yeah. Okay. yeah. So you guys kind of have a differing... Uh, I won't speak for her, Okay. But she, she's more religious than I. Okay. okay. Do you guys go to church every, uh, at all or, or no? No. Okay. So back to the mental health discussion... Is there anything you want to say to adoptees that are struggling right now, but they they uh, lack the ability to to be open about it? Is there anything that you could do to encourage them to like seek help or get the necessary resources that are needed for them? 
um, that it might you might feel like you're alone, that you're the only person, and that no one uh, it is out there to help you, uh, and that you're going to be a burden if you want to go out there to seek help. And I want to tell them that you're not alone, you're not a burden, and there are people who want to help you and are willing to help you uh, and want to help you. And, and, and we're here to welcome you into that. Um, and, I, and that I know it's hard, but um, we care. And, uh, you know, we're here to help. Uh, how many times have you actually been to Korea then uh, since the first time you went? Only three times. Three times, okay. How was your experience? Did you travel around Korea, any of them, or participate in any activities? Or Yeah, uh, the first time was for the ICA gathering. Can you tell us a little bit more about the ICA? Yeah, how did you? I think how was it's it? a big gathering for all Korean adoptees. But can you explain? It what is you from people? around the world. Can you explain more what you guys did for people who aren't familiar with that? Sure. Yeah. So ICA is the International Korean Adoptee Association. I think that's what it stands for. Um, and uh, every three years, there's a very large, there's a main gathering in Seoul where um, hundreds. I think probably even close to a thousand Korean adoptees from around the world, not just the U.S., but from Europe and Australia and United States and, and even from you know, South America, um, gather in Seoul. And it's about four or five days of uh, uh, we have seminars and talks and, and lectures and just meetings where like Korean adoptees would just together, get together and share their stories. And we party a lot. <laughs> okay, I guess that's important, huh? That's important for other, for other people. Yeah, so it's not just boring lectures. Literally, people will come to be like, I'm not coming to like go to these lectures, man. I'm just here to drink. <laughs> okay. Come and like, you know, and like, it's a lot of fun. And like, we have dinners and, uh, you know, most most of the time, like the, um, the Korean government, you know, will have, they'll come and like, they'll be represented uh, and, and, you know, and and everything. I think the year I went, like the, um, I forget who the president was, um, but the, his wife recorded like a video message for us. So like the Korean government, you know, acknowledges, and they know who we are and you know, that they want to acknowledge us. And um, I think they very much like to have Korean doctors come back to Korea. Well, what was the cost of the uh, this trip? Do you remember? It's not cheap. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I think the conference itself is probably... To register, don't quote me on this, but I'm sure it's a, you know, a grand or two grand or something like that. Okay. Maybe a few hundred, something like that. And then uh, you do get discounts at like hotel rates and everything. Seoul's not the cheapest city, so uh, you know, and, and, the, and the plane tickets. So it's not a cheap trip, um, but there are you know a lot of the Korean organizations um, will sponsor people or help people. Like the Nafi organizations will help people go. And you don't even, you, and you don't need to feel like you need to go to ICON, right? Like a lot of the adoptee organizations have special homeland trips and other things. So there are a lot of different options if, if some if a Korean adoptee wants to go to Korea but doesn't feel comfortable going like by themselves mm -hmm. because they don't know anyone else who knows Korean or something like that. Um, so there are a lot of options for that. So like that was the first time I went back. The second time I actually moved back to live there. So like I lost my job, I was laid off in like 2009. You know the whole financial crisis happened, and I was working at a company that was in the financial industry, and they were like, "We're gonna let people go." 
So I lost my job. And I moved out to Chicago to be with my brother. And my brother was, I just wasn't getting any job opportunities. Like I wasn't getting any interviews. And I was like, I don't have, I know, I'm not married. I don't have a girlfriend. I don't have any attachments here, really. So I was like, I'm going to go to Korea and just like see what, you know, what it's like. And so I lived there for about six, I think I like seven months. How, how was that experience of you living in Korea? It was great, but I traveled to like some other cities and, uh, I just, I had a lot of fun. I mean, I was working, but it was, it was different. Um, and I think there is like a gender difference. I, I think, um, like, uh, the Korean men that Korean men male adoptees that go back do have a slightly different, or they have a, a different experience and a better, in a lot of ways, like more positive experience than a lot of the female adoptees. Okay. But, yeah, but I had a lot of fun, man. It was, um, like, Seoul is just, like, a dynamic city. Uh, I, like, the Korean people I met were, were you know, were friendly. Uh, but, you know, when you go out and hang out, like, the Korean people are just people, man, you know? Like, I, you know, I would go to clubs and bars, and, you know, people are nice, some are mean, whatever. You found some dates there, maybe, in Korea? Because, actually, another guy. Another guy, yeah. 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 Okay. okay. That's good. <laughs> That's good. Can I ask you how come you came back if you had such a good experience? Experience. Uh, I just knew that I wasn't gonna live there forever. Oh, okay. Like I hadn't really made any attempts really to like learn the language, which I know makes me a bad expat. Um, but I, I just knew that eventually, like you know, I miss my family. Like I was, I was gonna come back. You know, I was gonna come back and I was gonna live my life in America. But I wanted to go and like see what it was like and see what happened. Uh, and uh, I, I'm happy I did. I'm, I'm really happy I did. So it sounds like uh, someone uh, can still live in Korea fairly comfortably, even if they don't speak the Korean language. Or did you have to speak a lot of Korean there? Or some organizations in Seoul that um, concentrate on helping adoptees live there, okay, um, for cheaper, uh, and they have these like apartments that. They're not like the most fancy living in that, you know, okay. but it's like a dorm, dorm life, you know, uh, it, you know, you're not living on your own and like, you know, it's like a bachelor pad or anything, but, uh, it was, it was cheap enough that I could, you know, I could, I made enough money to be able to live there and you know, still have fun and everything. So it was doable. Um, but if I, if I had wanted to stay for longer, I definitely would have had to learn the language. And from that, you you could probably, you know, uh, find a, a more regular job other than, you know, unless you really know the language, you're not going to be able to just, you know, live the way you think you do. So did the Koreans in general actually treated the adoptees who didn't speak Korean fairly well, it sounds like, from your experience? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean... Uh, I know people go there, and and, and um, I, I was I was you know I was able to, to find work. Like I, I went there and I didn't have any plan for anything. I didn't know anybody. Like but but there was someone that um, the the organization I, I, Goal is another organization that helps uh, uh, adoptees sort of live and acclimate to Korea, and they had an office where like they were like oh you know we know somebody and like they had a position open or like. Maybe you can, you know, interview and 
this guy was looking, I think, to um, whatever, like hire someone like me, and I was able to get that job. And um, yeah, so I, you know, I don't luck, fortune, or whatever, but I was able to get a job that I didn't really need to know Korean, and it was, um, you know, I was fortunate not to do that. Koreans, Koreans don't like, you know, we look Korean. You know what I mean? Um, I think it's also very obvious that we're not Korean. Like we weren't born in Korea, or we were born in Korea, but we weren't raised there. So like, it's not like I could pose as like a native, okay. native Korean. But um, they're very. I don't know. I, I like Korean people. The Korean people are really, you know, they want you to be there. Like they weren't. I, I never felt like I was being pushed away okay. from Korea. Is there any last words you'd like to talk about to mention guide or anything about your mental health or anything or in general we or, talked or about that we maybe missed? Some advice or two, maybe? Um, uh, we, we covered a lot, and I really appreciate you guys asking me to do this. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I, I want to thank you guys just at, having me on here. Um, and uh, I, I just, I, it's really important, uh, the work we're doing. And, um, you know, even if we just help one person, uh, I, I feel like it was worth it. There's actually one more question. So before Guide, uh, when did you actually get involved with Guide, actually? Fairly early on. Uh -huh. I, I mean, not that Guide's very old. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think Guide's only, what, what, the foundation's like, what, a few months yeah. old? Yeah. Um, yeah, I met Derek, like, um, years ago oh really okay you know so we've known each other for a little bit and um i think i actually um i just saw something about it on facebook or somehow i saw about it, saw something about it and then i was like oh derek's doing it and then i called you know i like messaged him or texted him or something because we had been talking on and on on and off about like maybe doing podcast or just something together and then i saw he had started guide and i was like i'd love to volunteer in whatever way i can and that was it and then um we talked and what can we do and uh initially we we're like oh yeah you know you know twitter and things so like let's do some uh, uh social media and then i was like and then i was just like duh adam podcast so i was like let's just do a podcast and that and it I think it's great. This this has been like your first time. You don't play video games or something, or <laughs> you ever do like let's plays and like record yourself playing games at all? Or I I've, I've thought about doing something like that, but I like I'm so bad at games. It would just oh, be like okay. all my people like laughing at me. They're like, get good. <laughs> what, what are what are your hobbies right now? What do you do aside from the guide stuff? Uh, well, I, I, I have the online magazine with my other, with my friends, okay. so okay. we do that. What kind of magazine is it? Uh, video it? games. Like, that's my oh, main cool. hobby, you know, video games. Um, I love, um, I, I'm, I'm really excited for the PlayStation 5 yeah. coming out soon, you know, this year. Were you aware of the Korean culture's big on video games? Did you see that on you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There oh, yeah. There. We were, yeah, so, so my brother, my brother was really into StarCraft. So my brother's the one that actually good at games. I suck. Like, you know, he, he took all the good genes. He took all the talent for video games. So he was um, he was so good at StarCraft that he, he was seventh in the world. Really? Holy cow. 
Did he win? Good. Did he win money for it or no? Yeah. So like this was back in the day. I, I sometimes think my brother was born like ten years too early because he would have been like a millionaire by now. Like just playing video games if he were like born in this era. Um, but he he to this day like he will play competitive Overwatch and just like be really he's very very good. At um, but he's generally smarter and everything than me anyway. So, uh, but yeah. So like we were always on the computer. So I'd play like Civilization. World of Warcraft, yeah, World of Warcraft yeah. uh, Diablo, but like Diablo is my main franchise. Like, I really love Diablo. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm uh, I, I'm into it, man. I know all the, I know all about it. Every, everyone's really, everyone's really sensitive, and I guess, I guess, I wanted to ask another question. What's your viewpoint on adoption? Um, I would say that um, I'm very critical of the current system. So I'm not against adoption as like a concept, right? In in some small cases, in a small number of cases, it's the only option. Do you do you believe like do you believe what most some people adopt you say is that it's child trafficking? Do you believe that it's that intense or? In some circumstances, it can be. Yes, I think in some circumstances it, it becomes that. There was a case um, that uh, there was a case just recently. I forget where which uh, uh, which state it is in America in the states, but a government official or I think it was a lawyer who was set up to do private adoptions from a South American country was convicted of basically trafficking. Um, so in some extreme circumstances, um, it can be uh, trafficking, uh, and I think in in a certain way, it is a basically a legalized structure of moving people right you're moving people from one area to another from one family to another uh, i'm not going to i'm not as extreme as saying the whole system is that way or that uh, it's set up to be that way on purpose um, but there are certain situations where like if you talk about um, adoptees without citizenship if you're moving children from one place to another and you don't do it properly it ends up being, if you look at the definition of these things, that it was a sort of a trafficking situation. So I guess that, that brings me to another question then. Were you naturalized properly? Because there's some adoptees that... Is that I was, being deported? I was, I was, oh, okay. I was fortunate enough that my, my dad was a lawyer, uh, and he was very, very diligent okay. in okay. seeking out all of these things and, and doing it. So I was, I'm lucky that my parents were um uh you know wanted to do it and had the the means to do it and he my adoptive father was a lawyer himself so he like personally had the skills and knowledge to do it or to seek the right kind of avenues to do it um but yeah i mean i think very easily could have been in a situation where a lot of you know thousands of korean adoptees are in today without citizenship that could have been me I, I guess uh, there's another thing that popped in my mind. Uh, was it incredibly painful trying to let go of your uh, adoptive dad that passed away? Because I feel like a lot of adoptees kind of have a hard time, at least some maybe have a hard time letting go of certain things, or it kind of relates to their some, a loss or some, abandonment. Some basically or, really don't like their adoptive family, so I'm just curious. He was just curious if you were really close to him and... 
experienced a sense of sense of loss as though he was yeah. your real dad. Like a really extreme. Yeah, like I, I consider my my adopted parents to be my real parents. Yep. Um, you know, I don't think you can. I don't think it's a question of having only one set of real parents, right? Like I, I, I it might sound weird, but I kind of feel like I have, you know, four real parents. Mm-hmm. You know, one, one one set of real parents that I was I was able to live with and be raised by, and and, and two that uh, that unfortunately I wasn't. Um, and I've talked about this before. I've tweeted or I talked to, and I. I plotted about how like Father's Day is very um, means a lot to me because you know I've had two parents I've had two fathers you know one that I could learn you know I learned how to be a you know a man from and one that I wasn't able to meet uh, or that I don't really know that well um, but I, I feel the loss of both of them you know uh, because my, my my birth father he, he passed away when I was when I was young. Um, I think after I was adopted, but he passed away. So I, I, there's not there's not even a chance for me to, to get to know who he is. Could that be the reason why you have step family? Because she remar she didn't remarry, but she chose to marry someone else, and then is could that could be that the, be yeah, the she, question? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, but she she ended up, you know uh, she she remarried or she she you know she had children with someone else. You know, she had another relationship. Uh, that's totally fine. You know, I mean. That happens. You, you guys actually talked three times, you said, like, back and forth. Did you find a sense of closure, even just... I know you haven't seen her in person, but you... you no, I wouldn't oh. say there's closure. Oh. No, oh. I mean, we didn't really talk about it. Oh. So it was just sort of like, yeah, I'm doing okay, and I'm doing okay. Okay. You know, I, I sent her some details of my life at that point. You know, I was just a senior, or I was a junior in high school, so, you know... I'm doing all right, mom. You know, I'm doing well in school. I'm going to college, all that sort of thing. But um, there's so much has happened since then. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, I, there's no closure in my mind. I still wonder a lot. I know there's a lot of adoptees who feel the same way. Can you offer like some solutions or what other things that you have been trying to, I guess, cope with that kind of. Knowing, in a, knowing that yeah. there's no closure with your birth yeah, family. what what have you been done doing with your own life, trying to find that fulfillment? Yeah, that's a tough question. Like, um, you know, I don't, I don't have any answers. It's not okay. like, yeah, it's not, it's not. I can give, I can give my thoughts and my advice as in like what I try to do for myself, mm-hmm. but. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sit here and pretend like I, I can answer these questions. Like, like that, it's something that like everyone has to sort of come to on their own. Uh, and that might seem like a cop out, but I just I'm not gonna say that I have an answer because I don't. And I think it'd be irresponsible for me to say, yeah, yeah of course, I'll tell you exactly what to do. If anyone tells you that <laughs> when it comes to stuff like this, that they're they're full of all right, they're they're just. Um, for, you know, for me, I just, I try not to, I try not to, um, I try not to like wallow in guilt. Okay. Uh, I, I, I try to feel it and then have it spur me into action to, to change it or to do something out of it. Uh, I, I think that um, guilt is a feel, it, it can be a useless feeling if you just feel it and then feel sorry for yourself and do nothing. Um, so when it comes to sort of, this feeling of not having closure, 
we've talked about we talked about this earlier about how like I haven't really done a first search. Mm-hmm. I just want to promise to myself that I'm going to do that, and that you know I'm going to search for the closure, or at least, or try to acknowledge that maybe closure will never happen. Maybe maybe I will find my birth mother and we'll meet, and it's possible. Maybe closure won't even come from that. You know, it, a lot of times, you know, I, from the friends that I've had that have met their birth family, like. That just opens another journey. You know, that there's another long journey, you know, after sort of reunion. And reunion isn't the end. It's like the beginning of another sort of, uh, you know, more questions and things like that. So um, I try not to set myself to expect closure, uh, you know. So I met a few adoptees that kind of do the. I wouldn't say the wrong route, but they just don't know any better. Some resorted to, to drugs, uh, addictions, crime, uh, and other uh, unfortunate behaviors. Have you ever found yourself going that way, or because the way with your family, do you feel like you didn't have, to, you didn't feel like you had to go that route? Uh, I mean, like you know, when I was in, co- I I think I probably drank too much. I'll yeah. be perfectly honest. Um. You know, I've done drugs before, but I've never really, I've not been addicted. Okay. Right? Like, I've not been, like, a habitual user. Um, but I'm not, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a saint. No one knows. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I, I think probably for me, uh, it, it's, I, I drink too much. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll admit that. That's probably. You, know, you do know Koreans drink a lot in Korea. I heard that Koreans drink a lot yeah, in Korea. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah, every time they... I can make an excuse and say we're Korean. <laughs> you know, I, I wouldn't say like it's... A, I wouldn't go to the point to say it's a problem, but okay. I, I would say it's probably... I probably drink more... I, I drink more than is healthy. Mm-hmm. Let's say that. Like, it, the, you know, so... Yeah, you know, no one's immune to this. Like, everyone has their ways of coping. Yo, some people might, uh, you know, eat too much. Some people might gamble some people might yeah you know whatever it is everyone has a way of coping with stuff so um and again i I try not to beat myself up about it too much and just try to do better so well i really appreciate your story i think it offers a different perspective uh one you generally had a fairly good family i mean you did have issues with mental health but it even proves that someone that actually grew up with a pretty uh decent parents like um my brother and i as well it's there's still sometimes issues but it's still being worked on and i'm open maybe with guide and and connecting with a lot of people maybe uh we can actually find more answers that's kind of why i enjoy these chats because the more that we keep yeah. on talking about it the more we'd find what the problem is and maybe find some solutions and and uh I think it's just going to go up from here. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, we can find answers together and, and those answers are going to be different for everybody. And sometimes just the community is the answer, right? Sometimes just being together and having talks and, you know, uh, just, you know, even having just like happy hours mm-hmm. or people singing and, you know, doing, being goofy on video or, uh, you know, sharing 
you know, an interest in video games and like playing games together or something. That can be the so that sometimes that's the answer. It's just community, you know, people connecting and having fun, sharing in our own sharing and like our grief and and and, and hard times too. You know? Before meeting so. Guide, have you actually uh uh have you ever had uh, Korean adoptees around you or? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I, I, I do. I volunteer for um, AKA in New York. Okay. Um, so they have a mentoring program, a mentorship program. So uh, I've been a mentor for them for uh, a few years. Unfortunately, with COVID, it was it was just cut short. So like our our, our past year was just cut in half. Um, that reminds me, I need to I need to contact the head of that and just talk to her about like what we want to do next year. Okay. But because um, it starts up. Should be starting up again because uh, you know it goes like six or something, you know, seven or eight months out of the year. But um, yeah, so like I, adoption and adoptees and just having you know working in that space, I think is going to be part of my life forever. You know, I just this is my this is one of my many communities, but it's a very important one. You ever thought about going being a pro a radio host? <laughs> Uh, you know, I would love it. Yeah. Uh, I think I would. Uh, I would actually kind of love doing that. Um, I don't even. I have no idea how to get into it. Like, I think for me, being a podcaster is probably yeah. that 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 yeah. sort of thing. <laughs> but if I could be paid to be on radio yeah. and talk to people and play music and just talk, that'd be amazing. <laughs> but who knows? Alrighty, Adam. Uh, we really appreciate this talk. I I think. Uh, we we discussed a little bit about the adoption, uh, the our birth families, and the little bit of complex feelings that a lot of adoptees face. And I really appreciate this talk. Oh, thank you, guys. Are you in any of the old school Final Fantasy games or new school or um, or not I, really? Your yeah, so like I, I I like Final Fantasy, but I don't think I ever really finished because they're long games. <laughs> yeah, they're long, and like I just. Yeah, so like I don't think I've ever finished any of them. I, I like Final Fantasy IX. <laughs> That's my favorite. Yeah. Everyone loves Seven, man. Did you play Seven yet? Did you play FF Seven, the update? Yeah. No, I, I don't oh. have a PlayStation. So. Oh, so you don't have any more PlayStation. So maybe they might release the second one on PS Five anyway. Cause that seems like what they're like doing. Yeah, it's, it's like they're running out of ideas. Final Fantasy IX is good. I like yep. it, man. Like, that's why you and I would be buddies because some people have a love for FF Seven. I I don't. It's it's okay. You know, <laughs> but I, just, I don't think I ever had the PlayStation One. Oh really? Oh really? Okay. I,